Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. You may be surprised to see me up here, um, and trust me, no one is more surprised that I am up here than I am. Uh, Bud is under the weather and um, some of his family too, so let's just remember them in our prayers that they have a quick recovery um, and are back with us next week. So, you know, I did not have a message plan, and uh, Carla texted me yesterday afternoon, I was coming home from some errands, driving down my driveway, almost 1 p.m., and you know, if you have one of those things in your car that if you get a text message, it just says the person's name, and it said Carla, and I knew. (laughs) Not that that's the only time Carla texts me, but I I knew yesterday, because the Lord told me, he's like, and I was like, okay, and then at the very same moment, he gave me what he wanted me to talk about today. So I, I'm so gracious um, and grateful to him for always doing that. You know that he's a God that speaks. And he's a God that will always speak to us. So I'm, I'm, I am gonna talk about uh, Christmas today. So it's gonna be a, a Christmassy kind of message. And so I will, I'm gonna tell you a story about a Christmas song that I love. So y'all love Christmas music? Are you over it yet? Or I I know they start playing it in like October, right? And they, I love it, right? So here's a little known, if you ever, not that you would ever, I don't even know why I'm gonna say this because I'm like, who would be in a trivial game that says Chris Van Ice trivia? But if you ever are, who knows? We may run out of things to do here and play that game. Um, My favorite Christmas song of all time is one that a good majority of you have probably never heard heard of? In the Bleak Midwinter. Doesn't that just rouse you and get you like super, super duper excited and everything? Look it up. It, oh, it's, it, oh, it's got some really good lyrics in it and everything. But I have some other favorites and I love the, the fun, the super oldies and uh, get those in my head and like to sing along. But I want to tell you a story about one of those that I like very much. And so in, in the 1800s, a, a Frenchman was uh, commissioned to write, he was a poet, and he was commissioned to write a Christmas poem. And so the name of that, <clears throat> and this is, my, this is my French for the day, so those of you that speak French or have taken French, be, be kind, because mostly all I remember from French is Je m'appelle Chris, uh, so anything else I say is gonna be pretty good. Uh, Cantique de Noel is the name of the, did I do good? Anybody fr- speak French, is that good? I, I don't have the accent. I should have worn the little beret or done the little tiny, mu- I don't know. <laughs> so it was a poem that was written and then another French musician wanted to put it to music and so he changed the title of it and I just, I can't go there. I, 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 am, I would butcher it so bad so I'm just gonna say he named it something else. <laughs> I have the microphone, I can say what I want. He's, he named it something else, and then in 1855, an English composer took it and tweaked some of the, the beginning parts of it and changed the words again, and it's what we know today as Oh Holy Night. 
so a favorite here, and for those of you that are harvest people and love the tradition of O Holy Night when Aaron always, you know, they put the white lights on and he belts that out, uh, beautiful thing, and just gonna, just gonna throw a little bit of credit and say pat Aaron on the back the next time you see him. He, he's home with sick kids today, too. Uh, but next time you see him, because evidently, as I was doing my research, O Holy Night is one of the harder uh, songs to sing because it has a big, huge range. I, I learned that last service. I did not, I said, I don't know why it's harder, and I was, I was schooled on that one because it has a very big range. How's that? Does that sound musical and, and all of that? But So I love that, and so I've been sort of, now that I said it, some of you are like, great, now I'm, it's in your head, right? Well, I'm gonna read the lyrics, so it's really gonna be in your head, and I don't apologize for that. Um, But I think sometimes when we know a song, just like when we know a scripture passage, we just sort of say it, and we our hearts and our minds are not even involved with it, because we're like, oh yeah, I know this, and we just kind of hum along or sing along, and I think it's really important that we hear the words. So I'm gonna, uh, let me read those to you, and for those of you that are like, you wanna kind of hum along with it, you know, knock yourself out. Uh, oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error, pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angel voices, O night divine, O night when Christ was born. Led by the light of faith serenely beaming, with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand. So led by light of a star sweetly gleaming, here come the wise men from the Orient land. The king of kings lay thus in lowly manger, in all of our trials, born to be a friend. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall break for the slave is our brother. And in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let us within us praise his holy name. As I wrote those out, in my little chicken scratch this morning, the very wee hours of the morning, I, um, I thought, gosh, there's all kinds of lessons in here that can be taught. There's, there's these wonderful phrases and, and kinds of things in here, but for years now, because I'm a person of words, I love words, they're important, they're impactful. God spoke creation into being, he gives us a mouth to speak life or death over people and So the words in here were important on this little phrase uh, back in the first verse, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. So we're just gonna settle down right there. And lots of you have Christmas traditions, things that you do every year at Christmas time. I have one, which is I have a little slide with those particular words on it, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth, and I always put it 
up on my social media Facebook account and I write something about it that the Lord prompts me to write and I, I actually did that yesterday. But it's something that we really don't think about and I'm like, there's something really important there. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. So I, I'm gonna ask you a question and then I'm just gonna be silent for just a minute. And we tend to not like silence because it's like, oh, then we have to deal with stuff. You know, this, this would be the one time that you would be like, can't you just talk? I, I don't get that that often because usually I don't stop talking. So um, has your soul found its worth? Does your soul know the worth it has? Still silent. That's good. I think I'll have one more. Does your soul know its worth? Now, I think if you just did a knee jerk reaction, some of you would go, Yeah, sure. Of course. But if we sat with it a little bit longer, we're gonna sit with it longer, you might go, I don't know, because worth and value is a very, very hard thing. It's not something that you can maintain in and of yourself, your worth in the world. Do I have value? See, I would say if I had to answer that question, does my soul know its worth? If I was to be really honest with you, and I will, I would say I don't think completely I do. I know in part. And as far as I've come in my journey with knowing Jesus and letting him know me, that's how much my worth has grown. But I don't know everything about Jesus, and I don't know his full heart, and it takes our whole lives to fully understand that, so we would probably have to say no. And here's the problem is that we try to find it in the world. And it's never, gonna, it's never gonna be able to be maintained or really received from the world. And so who, who is the prince of this world right now? It's not Jesus. The prince of the world is Satan, our enemy. And so he, he, he sort of saturates our society everywhere we go, everything we do with, with an idea. And you know, the, the Lord knows all kinds of things. So he knew that I was gonna be here today and that I was going to be talking about this particular topic. And sometime earlier in the day yesterday, I was cleaning some things out and I put something down on my desk and I left it there. And this morning as I was sitting at my desk, the Holy Spirit said, put that in your pocket and take it with you. So I did. Sometimes I do what he tells me to do. More and more often I do. It's a tape measure if you can't tell or I don't, you know, online, I, I don't know if you know that. I, I like to play with these. I usually, I've gotten whiplash before playing with the <laughs> the big ones, but um, this is how 
Satan tells us to find our value in the world. And we each have one. And so our value, we find it, like say for instance, you fix your little house up all cute for Christmas, you put your little decorations up, and then you end up going to a party at somebody else's house, at some swanky swank. And you thought your house looked really cute. Was that funny? Swanky swank, I'll keep that one. That, that's a KV special right there. There's no, no charge for that one. And so you go home and all of a sudden your place is like, we do it with people. We have our little spouse or boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, or somebody we like, we like or we write their name, we put little hearts around it. Um, and then we see who somebody else is married to or somebody else is dating and they look like they're, I don't know, look really great or beautiful or whatever and we're like. <laughs> and see, we don't, we don't mean to do it and we think we're kicking it at our job. I did a good job, I, I did some good work today. And then somebody else comes in and they just like blow it out of the water. <sighs> or we're a student, either in, in you know, regular grade school or, or a college student, and you get like an 85. And you're like, Man, some of my classes, I would have been like, oh, thank you, Jesus, at 85, that would have been so great. But you get graded on the curve. If you know about being graded on the curve, it doesn't matter what you got, it matters what everybody else got. So if everybody else really stunk it up, your 85 is like, woo! But then if you're in the, that class with those smarty smarts, and sometimes I was the smarty smart, but people were like so mad at me and you got like 100, and then you did the extra credit, so you really got 105. I mean, who does that? <laughs> and so you all do that? Yeah, you do that. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, your 85 is right in the middle of the curve, and what are you then? You thought you did great, and instead, you're average. Because that's how, that's how we find our worth or we think we're doing really good because we got the laundry done and we got the, the, the kids all had like matching socks and, and clothes on that didn't clash and they, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then we see somebody else that we feel like is just like, their kids never do anything wrong and they're just like, don't pitch fits in the stores and yours is like going berserk and. How in the world do we keep our value? Did, you, did anybody in here get up this morning and look in the mirror and you're like, I am awesome? <laughs> did it, no? Anybody? Yeah, I didn't do it either. I knew I was gonna say that and so I was gonna do it but then, I would, and then it would be like I would blow the bell-shaped curve and you all would be like, oh gosh, of course she did it. Yeah. I didn't do it either but we have to find a way where the soul knows its worth because everything that you give to others it's only gonna to be to the level that you know it. 
If you don't think much of yourself, you ain't going to think much about anybody else. You can say it, but you won't mean it. You're only going to give away to that point where you feel your worth, that your soul has its worth and that nobody can steal that away from you and happens over and over and over again. No matter how much we're like, this was a good day, I feel like nothing happened, nothing. And then you get on social media and you're like, how did, well, I know it's that airbrush thing that people, you know, do on those pictures. By the way, if you do that, don't do that. Everybody knows <laughs> that you airbrushed your face. They know it. Just be who you are. Be proud to just take a selfie and pop that baby right up there. But we have to find a way to know our worth. See, he appeared. That's what the song says. He appeared and the soul knew its worth. How do we get to that point? Well, first he appeared. Thank goodness he did and that's what we celebrate at this time of year that he came into the world. But what, what should we, where do we find it if we can't find it even from each other? Because the appearances, we all, like, honest to goodness, and it, it happened, it probably happened to you at some point in your life that you were driving to church and you're, you're having some kind of fuss fit or you're saying your kids are this or that and you're just like in a, a mood. And you walk in the door and everybody is, you know, says to you, how are you? And you're like, great. <laughs> we, we don't know how to really package that. But there is an answer because he appeared. And so the first place we're gonna go to and look at that is uh, we're gonna head to 1 Peter chapter two. 1 Peter chapter two. And let me just throw this in because I threw it in at the last service as well. Um, when I spoke a couple weeks ago, I talked to you about, it'd be a great idea um, to have a notebook and take notes at church. It helps you, it helps you pay attention. Uh, it helps you write that stuff down and go back and look at it later. It's gonna be helpful stuff to you. This week I wanna mention about having a paper Bible. And some of you with your phones, that's fine. But let me tell you this. Um, I like to study and teach out of the NIV. And I have a, an old one, it's fallen apart now, so I had to get a new one, and it's not this one. This is, this is my preaching Bible, because the, the words are like this big in this one. It's the lights, it's not me, it's not me. <laughs> it's changed. The newer versions of the NIV, they're starting to change a few things. Words are moved around. And you know what? Publishers don't ask us before they just change some things. It will not surprise me one bit in years to come that you go to buy a Bible and maybe some of the words in red are just not there because they don't have to ask us. So even if you love to use your phone, there's a chance that the power could go out at some point and you don't have one of those little fancy charger things or you use them all up or you can't find them. You have to know how to maneuver in a paper Bible. So find one you like, go buy it, and put it up somewhere. So that when the world gets really weird and wonky, and it's getting pretty weird and wonky, that you have yours. 
And even if the power goes out and even if the internet's like, I'm gonna fool around with this and change some stuff and you can't get to this and you can do that and whatever, you have yours. And keep it and use it. I was just giving you time to get to First Peter if you were, if you were looking for that. So First Peter chapter two, we're just gonna look at one verse there, uh, chapter nine, chapter nine. So this whole idea of where do we get our value? Where do we understand our worth? Listen to these words from Peter. Under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he said, but you and me, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Now, nobody raised their hand. Maybe somebody online did this, that you got up this morning and you're like, just told yourself you were awesome in the, in the mirror. But nobody here said, raised their hand and go, yeah, I did that. So I wonder then, if nobody did that, if anybody, did anybody get up this morning and look in the mirror or give yourself the pep talk and go, I am chosen. I am royalty. I'm a priest. I'm holy. And I am God's special possession. Oh, I thought there would be like, I would feel the wind from all the, <laughs> the hands going up. See, I'm not sure that our souls know our worth. The truth of the matter is these are very true statements. You're chosen. You're royalty. You're a priest, and, and please understand me on that because that, that lingo has been like, no, that's, that's your job. No, I'm, I'm not a priest. I'm called to teach and, and be a pastor and a shepherd. And if that's not your calling, it doesn't mean you're not a priest. It, it, it's somebody that carries the light and the truth into the world. So yeah, you're a priest and you're a royal one at that. Royalty. You're holy, and you are God's not just possession, but special possession. When's the last time the world's laid all that on you? When's the last time you were like, oh, yeah, I feel the worth. The best the world can do is pride and arrogance, where we feel like, Yep, I'm all that. Better than everybody else. Look down upon people. It's, it's the same thing with the comparison. I'm good if I know a bunch of other people are bad. I'm bad if I look over here and everybody else is good. So there's no way we can feel these things on our own. But here's the glory of relationship with Jesus Christ. That we look straight ahead 
And every step that we take, and this is the truth, if you, are a, if you are a follower and lover of Jesus Christ, then every step you take, he's right in front of you. And his eyes are just blazing as he's looking at you with such great love and affection. And he's going, oh my goodness. I chose you. Take another step. Oh my goodness. You're royalty. Take another step. Oh my goodness, you're my priest that will carry the light and the truth out into the world, take another step. Oh my child, you're a holy because I made you holy. Take another step and oh my goodness, you are my special possession. You're the one that I would never go anywhere without, that I would do anything for. Take another step. We could look straight ahead, but here's what we tend to do. We tend to look to the left or to the right. And to the left or to the right is the world and what the enemy's doing. So we're doing a comparison thing, but the enemy's also reminding us of all the things that don't make us chosen, royal, a priest, holy, or God's special possession. Because it's always like, Remember that one time that you did that? Remember this morning what you thought? Remember last week what you said? That's to the left and to the right. So we've got to look straight ahead. It's your, it, it, it's your choice where you look. But if you would realize that you're a chosen, royal, a priest, holy, and God's special possession, do you know how it would change how you would treat other people? But you can't say it once. You can't just read it in here once and go, okay, that was good. You can't just sit in here and listen to it now and be like, hmm, go Chris, yeah, you're, you're saying it. You know, I'd give you the, if I could get up there and then you walk out of here and go, it's just not true. You have to keep doing it over and over and over and over and over again. And the glorious thing about this is you will never walk around and go, I'm not picking up after you. Did you not know that I'm royalty? Did you not know that I'm God's special possession? I'm better than you. No, here's the glory of it because you are the same special possession that I am, because you are chosen and I am chosen, because you're a royalty and I am royalty and it doesn't diminish my favor for you to have favor as well. The enemy doesn't want you to do this. It's work. Oh, you're giving us more work to do? Mm Mm-hmm. Turn your eyes back, turn your eyes back, turn your eyes back to the center point. I don't know how many times a day I have to do it because this is where I end up. Uh, you know that sideways glance you can give to people and sometimes you're like, you got, you got one eye this way and you got one eye over here. That's where we end up. And they, they sort of cancel each other out almost. But we have to be in such a place that we can know these things. And here's the other part of it. And you you got to get this one because you're like, 
well, well, Chris, those are, those are some mighty big words and I would love to do that, but I don't feel any of that. So, you think I feel all these things all the time? You think Bud Beverly feels these things all the time? You think just because we're pastors that, 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 that we like have a special place that you all don't? We don't feel it either. I don't feel like royalty, but I am. I am. I'm a child of the king. Do you understand the difference between feeling it and knowing it and claiming it and living out of that truth? We're not going to feel it on a daily basis. Have you made anybody else today feel like royalty? I haven't. But he says it's true. Would you just turn your eyes this way and go, I don't feel any of that, but I know it. And I walk in it. And if I walk in it, then I can give it away and never feel less than. See, if you feel good about yourself from the world standard and you give some of that away and you make somebody else feel really good, you get the measuring tape out and you're like, oh, you help somebody at work and you're like, oh, now they're kicking it because I showed them how to do that and it's making me look worse. That's what the world will tell you. But Jesus, the servant king, says give it away and you won't lose any of it. Turn back, turn your eyes, turn your eyes, turn your eyes. If you have to do it 100 times a day, do it 100 times a day. Your soul has worth and value. So back to the, the uh, little phrase from O Holy Night. He appeared. Do you know how much happened in that he appeared? He said, they don't know it. So I have to go. And I will give up all of mine so that they can have all of theirs. And God said, you're worth Jesus to me. I'm gonna give up my beloved, I'm gonna trade. I want you so much. I want you to know your value so much that I'm gonna take my beloved from all eternity and I'm gonna put him down in that manger and I'm gonna let him grow up and go through all kinds of stuff because you're that important. There is nothing in this entire world that you could put a more higher value on than you or me because the one that had the highest value ever in all of eternity, the prince, the king, Jesus, he was like, I want you. I want you. And so if we would stop trying to get it from the world who as soon as it, we get it in our hands, I feel good about myself, it falls right out to the one who can put it in your heart and it will never go away. That is our king, and that's what he promises, and that's how our soul begins to know its worth. So I told you this was gonna be Christmassy, not just because of a whole holy night. 
So I, I, I wanna go through the Christmas story pretty quickly, but I am gonna go through it from the book of Isaiah. Now if you were here this summer, I spent the entire month of July teaching out of the book of Isaiah. It, it's my favorite, but I taught some prophecy of the coming Jesus. What I'll remind you of is that Isaiah lived and wrote this 700 years before that baby ever plunked down in the manger and the shepherds were afraid and they came and here came the the wise men with their gifts and the whole story, 700 years. And I will tell you, if there's any skeptics watching or listening or you're kind of here going, I'm not really sure about this whole thing and maybe it's a a made-up thing, I will tell you that especially the Old Testament is one of the most historically documented um, articles that was ever written. In fact, there were so many copies of it that were true compared to stuff that's taught in, in school now in history classes, ancient history classes, There was one copy of a document and people say that's true and they teach it in schools. This is more historically accurate. Isaiah was not a made up book and it's not like, well, they went back and wrote it after Jesus, Mm -mm, 700 years before. So for those of you that are like, he doesn't even know what I'm going through. He doesn't even pay attention to me. He doesn't know that my heart's hurting. He doesn't know what I have to go and do tomorrow. He doesn't know that I'm not sure how I'm gonna buy Christmas gifts for my kids. He doesn't know and doesn't seem to care that I feel so lonely. 700 years before he was born, they knew what they would do. For all time before that, before time even began, this was always the plan. Your God has not forgotten you. Whatever you got going on, He's not forgotten you. Because we're going we're gonna to look at the things that 700 years before he was born, these are the things. And so as you consider, does my soul know its worth? Let's go through a little bit this story of Jesus and look at some of the things that were prophesied. These were things spoken that would indeed come to pass. And so if those things indeed came to pass, then the things I read to you that Peter spoke of are true as well. You are chosen. You are royalty. You are a priest. You are holy and you are God's special possession. That's fact, it's just truth. You can say I don't feel it and that's what a lot of people do or you can just be like I'm standing on that Pretty solid under my feet. I'm standing on that. So we're gonna go to Isaiah, and we're gonna jump in. Uh, We're gonna start with, and we're gonna go in order. Uh, Because God didn't just say one thing. There's not just one prophecy, and you're like, well, well, maybe he got it right. There's one thing, there's a whole bunch of things. So we're gonna go to Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. We're gonna start there. We're gonna go kind of rapidly through this, but I want you to keep in mind, this is the, quickly, the prophesied story of Jesus that would indeed come true. So 
So chapter seven, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. 700 years before. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Who could have made up something like that? We wouldn't have made up something like that. A virgin's gonna conceive, what? And you're gonna call him Emmanuel? That's the start. That's, that's what we're celebrating this whole season right now, right? So let's turn over to chapter nine, verses six and seven, more prophecy. For to us, and us is, in, is you and me, you and me. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Over to chapter 11, verses one through five. 700 years before it ever happened. God knows exactly what you got going on right now. Starting at verse one. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. And in case you're going, what's the stump of Jesse? What, what's all that about? Jesse was the father of King David. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. That's the royal line as was prophesied as well, that Jesus would come from the lineage of David. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch, with a capital B. Does that have a capital B? Yep. A branch will bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy, and justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. We're gonna jump all the way to chapter 50. We're gonna look at verses six and seven. This is the part where the story gets hard. If you haven't seen your value and your worth yet, maybe you'll start to now. Chapter 50, verses six and seven. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from the mocking and spitting because the sovereign Lord helps me. 
I will not be disgraced. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. Every second of the beatings. They had to be physically absolutely brutal. But I think what sustained him was knowing that he was getting our value for us. Never earned. He was never gonna call our value average. He was gonna burn every tape measure and ruler there was. That's how he could take it. And then one more, chapter 53. And we'll go with all of that chapter to finish up this morning. It starts at, with verse one and says, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And I ask you the question, who has believed our message? Do you believe it just because you don't feel it? Will you let the power of the will and what's in your soul say, I don't feel any of that. I don't feel chosen and royal and seen and special and all those things. But I am. Because Jesus endured it all to come get you. He rescues. And now can we hear the song of victory singing over us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Every time you open this word, and I hope you open it, it's been revealed to you. Truth that cannot be taken away. This is who you are. This is the destiny that God meant for you. To walk in the truth and the value of who you are. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. He gave it all to us, all of it. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind so that you would never be despised and rejected by mankind. I know that there's people in here that you have felt despised and rejected by mankind but by the King of kings and Lord of lords, you are not, and you do not have to walk under that. Stop looking over here and over here and look straight ahead. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. Not might be, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned 
to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led to a, like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, he did not open his mouth. He was fighting for you. One opening of his mouth, and he could have brought down the legions of heaven right then. And he was like, I will keep my mouth shut. I gotta get, I gotta rescue them. They have to know their worth. They have to know their value. They've got to stop looking to the left and to the right. I will do whatever I have to do so that they know, that they know, that they know. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Pray with me this morning. Lord, we spend way too much time looking to the left and to the right and trying to gain our value in how we look and what we have and what we do and how other people see us and if people speak appreciation into us. And those things fall like water out of a sieve. They just don't hold. And you knew that. You knew the way that sin operates in the world. You knew what the enemy was gonna do. And so you sent your son that we would know our worth. So Jesus has appeared. And he appears to us over and over and over again and now his spirit lives within us and is right with us to teach us. Lord, would we look straight ahead and look into your eyes and just because we don't feel it, we would go, I know. And I will live this way and so this is what I will pour out on other people. And other people will know their value because I know my value and it all comes from you. Lord, we were meant to change the world you left and sent your spirit so we would become you. We are now you in the world. And if we would just look at you, because you have appeared and you continue to appear to us every second and we would turn back and turn back and turn back and we would see you in front of us and we would begin to know I have value and nobody 
can take it from me because it was fought for with blood and with death. Lord, there's a whole world that has no idea of their value. And we have wasted time looking all over the place for what we already have. Show us how to stand upon your word and live upon your word and go against what our feelings tell us and take your light into the world. We love you, we praise you. We worship you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Emmanuel, you are with us. Thank you, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you again next week.